Please stay tuned for important disclosure information at the conclusion of this episode. Welcome to the Investing Insights Podcast from Morningstar. In this week's podcast, Dave Sikara and David Harrell discuss mid-year dividend stock picks, Russ Kennel reveals three good funds having a great year, and Carol Hodorowitz and Catherine Lynch talk about how to prepare for a recession. Let's get started. Here is Dave Sikara from Morningstar Research Services with David Harrell from Morningstar Investment Management. Hi. I'm David Harrell of Morningstar Investment Management, and I'm here with Dave Sakara, who is the Chief U.S. Market Strategist for Morningstar. Dave, great to have you here. Well, thank you, David. Good to be here. So we spoke back in January, mm-hmm. the last time we spoke, and at the time you noted that the U.S. equity market was slightly overvalued. And so absolutely nothing's changed since then, right? Yeah, well, you know, it's certainly been a, a really tough quarter, yeah. you know, in the second quarter here. Right. And so, yeah, we did definitely start off, you know, the year in what we considered to be, you know, overvalued territory. But at this point, I think the market has taken enough of a beating that we're seeing a lot of value out there today. And in fact, you know, based on those 700 stocks our equity analyst team covers at trades in the U.S., we think the market's trading at about a 17% discount to our fair value. Now, to put that in a little bit of historical context, when I look over the past decade, actually going back to the end of 2010, there's only ever been a couple of other instances where we've seen the broad market actually trade at that great of a discount. So, for example, during the emergence of the pandemic in March 2020, we saw the big sell-off then. The markets got you know, down to very low levels of valuation. But then before that, you know, we looked at December 18. So if you remember back then, the Fed had already been tightening monetary policy right. for about a year at that point in time. Big growth scare at the end of the year. We saw a big sell-off in you know, December before the markets came back in the beginning of 2019. And then you have to go all the way back to the end of you know, 2011. And if you remember back in 2011, that's when you know, we had the Greek debt crisis. You know, a lot of investors were concerned that you'd have the sovereign debt crisis then spread into you know, Portugal, Spain, Italy, and then those kind of sovereign defaults back then, people were concerned would then end up tarnishing you know, the entire EU banking system. So one thing, if you look at the performance of dividend stocks, or at least you know the, the dividend stock indexes, uh, you're generally seeing better relative year-to-date performance than the overall U.S. market, correct? You know, that's absolutely correct. So, for example, if we look at the Morningstar U.S. You know, high yield dividend index, you know, we see that's only dropped about half of the broad market year to date. Okay. And, w- and why do you think that is? Well, when we break that up and look at its individual components, what we'll notice is that you know, the dividend payers are more often than not going to be you know, core or blend stocks or value stocks as opposed to growth stocks. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at performance year to date for the broad market, you know, growth stocks have really taken the brunt of the sell-off. You know, large cap growth stocks this year have sold off you know, over 30% year to date, whereas, for example, value stocks have only sold off about 7%. Then I also take a look at those sectors that usually have the high dividend paying stocks. And again, those are usually going to be more defensive type sectors as opposed to cyclical. And again, when we break down that market performance, the defensive stocks this year have held up relatively well compared to those cyclical stocks, which really have taken the sell off. All right. So early this year, you talked about some of the headwinds mm-hmm. uh, that the U.S. equity market was facing, and uh, many of those are still in place. And I was wondering if you could talk about them uh, specifically, you know, how they would affect dividend stocks. And maybe we could start with rising interest rates. 
Of course. So as you mentioned, you know, at the beginning of the year, we did note that there were going to be four main headwinds that the market was going to need to contend with this year. And I think what we really saw in the second quarter in the market performance was a convergence of all four of those headwinds you know, coming together. Now, with interest rates, you know, we did see interest rates, of course, this year rise you know, across the entire curve. You know, I usually watch the longer end more because that's what I think about when I'm looking at you know, comparing interest rates versus dividend and yield stocks. Mm -hmm. So in this case, you know, the 10 years risk you know, about 140, 150 basis points this year and is maybe trading just below 3%, you know, today. And I also think, too, that the rise in interest rates is now making some investors more interested, again, in fixed income securities, you know, specifically looking what's going on in the corporate bond market, for example, the investment grade market. You know, I think our investment grade corporate bond index right now is trading at about 4.5%. And in the high yield market, you know, now we're seeing 8% you know, coupons again. So, again, so those bonds are starting to look more attractive to some investors. You know, versus dividends. So we're now just getting to the point, I think, where we're starting to see some investors that you know, we're using dividend in income stocks really as a substitute for fixed income right. who might now be starting to switch back and moving back into those higher yielding fixed income securities. Okay. And obviously another one of the headwinds the market was facing uh, is high inflation rates. Mm -hmm. And maybe a little, if you tell us a little bit of how that uh, is affecting dividend payers right now or will affect them going forward. Yeah, inflation has actually been running, you know, hotter I think than what we necessarily expected, you know, even when we were coming into the beginning of the year and noted that as being one of the headwinds. And I know our US economics team has, you know, increased our inflation expectations for this year. Now, having said that, I would note we do still expect that inflation will begin to moderate in the second half of this year, and our U.S. economics team is looking for inflation to go to just below 2% next year. So again, we still expect inflation to come down, and when I'm thinking about that, it still tells me I should be looking for those high-quality stocks, you know, those stocks that have sold off you know, too much. Whereas, you know, people, I think, are looking at, you know, the stocks and some of these stocks with wide and narrow economic moats and just indiscriminately been selling those off in the marketplace just because with the market down as much as it had been, you know, we're seeing some portfolio managers who got to the point where they started having to sell what they could mm -hmm. as opposed to what they wanted to. And that, to me, now just brings up lots of opportunities, you know, in those high-quality stocks, especially those that have good dividend yields. Terrific. And uh, one more headwind, uh, or maybe not a headwind, but uh, I hate to use the word, but recession. Mm -hmm. And uh, do you see the U.S. economy in a recession, heading to a recession? And if so, how severe do you think that might be? So it's always tough to tell. But again, you know, what we did is we noted at the beginning of the year that we expected you know, the, the economy to slow down this year. And I would note that it has been slowing probably even more than what our U.S. economics team had originally forecasted. Now, having said that, you know, we're most recently projecting a 2% real GDP growth in the U.S. this year. But I think what's more important is not necessarily are we going to enter a recession or not enter a recession, but you know, if we do enter a recession, we expect that it would probably be short and shallow. And so when I think about what that means for stock valuation you know, in general and looking at where valuations are today, yeah, I think that even if we're wrong and there is a near-term recession, there's enough margin of safety in a lot of these stocks today that investors can still go ahead and get invested in those stocks today and not necessarily worry about that much more downside. Okay. And to sort of turn back to dividend stocks in general, uh, you noted earlier that some of the more defensive areas of the market, consumer defensive, mm -hmm. healthcare, uh, utilities, as well as uh, energy stocks, 
overall are, are, are somewhat fairly valued right now. Now, given that those are generally uh, the sectors where we find some of the better dividend payers, where do you see value right now sort of on a sector basis or even individual, individual company basis uh, for investors who are looking for um, income, income stocks? Yeah, so I mean, as a sector, you know, overall, when you look at those composites, you are absolutely correct that, you know, those defensive sectors, you know, have held their value better to the downside, and maybe not necessarily as many, you know, all-in absolute return opportunities as you might see you know, in some of the other sectors where they don't pay a dividend, but they're trading even you know, lower valuations than what we see in the defensive sectors. Now, having said that, there's you know, plenty of opportunities you know, in all of the different sectors. So you know, before we came down here, I ran you know, one of our dividend screens you know, by sector. So just running off the list here, you know, basic materials, you know, the first one that I would recommend would be taking a look at Eastman Chemical. Right. So that was actually one of our top picks in our quarter outlook. You know, it's currently a five-star rated stock, has a narrow economic moat, it trades at a 35% discount to our fair value. And what I also like about Eastman Chemical is I think it's actually a good way for investors to also to be able to play that long-term structural shift that we see for electric vehicles. Mm -hmm. So when you think about specialty chemicals, it requires a lot more chemicals to be able to produce an electric vehicle than it does an internal combustion engine vehicle. And so therefore, we think that's a good tailwind in the basic materials sector. You know, some of the other sectors that we see a lot of opportunities would be in the communications sector. A lot of the traditional communication names, you know, we think that those are now you know, valued low enough that they're attractive for investors today. So in the telcos, you know, I would look at both AT&T you know, and Verizon. Both of them are narrow economic moats. Both are rated four stars, trading at somewhat similar you know, discounts to fair value. And both of those are paying you know, over a 5% dividend yield today. Consumer defensive sector, again, fully valued overall, but certainly always going to be you know, individual names in there that we see you know, differently than what the market is seeing. Right. So two names there that you know, rarely do you see these names trading at much of a discount to our intrinsic valuation, but yeah, opportunities today in both Clorox and Kellogg's. So both of them pay about a 3.2% dividend yield today. Both are wide moat rated stocks. Both are four stars you know, at current levels. So again, I think those are some interesting opportunities to take a look at as well. In the industrial sector, you know, 3M, just you know, a high quality name, wide economic moat, trading at you know, a four star rating, trading at a 30% discount to our fair value. Again, I think it's gonna be a worthwhile position for investors to take a look at. Well, that's terrific. Thanks for sharing your insight and I uh, hope we can talk again later this year. Well, thank you, I appreciate it. Okay. I'm David Harrell from Morningstar Investment Management. Thanks for watching. Expand your investing horizons and look to the long term with Morningstar's podcast, The Long View. Join hosts Christine Benz and Jeff Patak as they talk to influential leaders in investing, advice, and personal finance. Search for and subscribe to The Long View today. Next, here is Russ Kinnell from Morningstar Research Services. Good downside protection is an underrated quality in a bull market, but boy is it a lifesaver in a bear market. Today I'll highlight three funds producing strong performance by losing less than their peers. These are the sort of funds that help you stay invested through tough times. If you give up in a bear market, you'll substantially reduce your long-term returns. Vanguard short-term inflation protected securities is down just 1.3% year-to-date, making it one of the top performing TIPS funds. This gold-rated fund has the benefit of low costs, 
which always helps in down markets or up markets. But the big reason for its performance is it has less interest rate risk than its peers. Yes, tips have inflation protection, but they don't have protection against rising rates. That's why a short-term tips fund like this one is holding up so well. Bronze-rated FPA new income is all about defense. The fund is wary of credit risk and interest rate risk, and thus consistently has a low-risk profile. Its 3% loss for the year is smaller than 90% of short-term bond funds. Finally, Fidelity Intermediate Bonds Absolute loss of 8% for the year to date sounds grim, but that's actually in the top 5% of intermediate bond funds for the year. That shows just how bad things have been in that category. The category on average is down 11.5% for the year as credit problems and rising rates have been a double whammy on the group that usually produces pretty solid, uh, boring returns. Rob Galuza has some tight guardrails on credit and interest rate risk that keep the fund out of trouble. The fund now boasts solid risk-adjusted returns over Galuza's tenure. Lastly, Carol Hedorowitz and Catherine Lynch from Morningstar Inc. tell you about recessions. First, inflation goes to the roof. Now, the Federal Reserve keeps raising interest rates. What's next? A recession? Wait, is a recession coming? The real question isn't if we're entering a recession or not, but the economy is slowing down, and that still affects us. So if it's not that bad, then is there really anything to worry about? Yes. Well, when the economy slows down, that means people stop spending as much money. And this often means companies will stop hiring as many people. Is this related to the high inflation and rising interest rates? Yes. Because inflation is so high, the Federal Reserve has raised interest rates multiple times this year. This means that it's become more expensive to borrow money. So companies will stop investing as much and hiring as many people. This also results in the economy slowing down. Is this going to be a repeat of the Great Recession in 2008 when household debt and unemployment skyrocketed? I mean, how long do recessions even last? Recessions can be short. Historically, the average recession has lasted 11 months. What can I do to prepare? Consider your job security in the event companies do dial back on hiring. And it's smart to watch your spending. So try to find cheaper alternatives for things you commonly spend money on, like bringing a lunch instead of eating out. Yeah, I'll definitely start doing that. It probably wouldn't hurt to start stashing some extra cash too, right? Definitely. Keep building up your emergency fund. And even though it's a turbulent time, don't be deterred from investing. Cheers to that, I guess. That does it for this week's Investing Insights podcast from Morningstar. We hope you have enjoyed our program and we welcome your feedback. Please send your comments and questions to podcast at Morningstar.com. From everyone here at Morningstar, thanks for listening. This recording is for informational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. Opinions expressed are as of the date of recording. Such opinions are subject to change. The views and opinions of guests on this program are not necessarily those of Morningstar Inc. and its affiliates. Morningstar and its affiliates are not affiliated with this guest or his or her business affiliates unless otherwise stated. Morningstar does not guarantee the accuracy or the completeness of the data presented herein. The podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered tax advice. Please consult a tax and or financial professional for advice specific to your individual circumstances. Morningstar Research Services, LLC, is a subsidiary of Morningstar, Inc. and is registered with and governed by the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. Morningstar Research Services shall not be responsible for any trading decisions, damages, or other losses resulting from or related to the information, data analysis, or opinions, or their use. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investments are subject to investment risk, including possible loss of principal.
Individuals should seriously consider if an investment is suitable for them by referencing their own financial position, investment objectives, and risk profile before making any investment decision.